0: Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Powered by Search. And each week, we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos, and revenue using demand gen, SEO, and paid media. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas. I'm Head of Growth at Powered by Search. And today, I'm here with Dev Basu. Hey, Dev, how's it going? It's going really well. Good to be here again. Yes, yes, likewise. Well, today we're talking about Classlink and we're going to sit down together and come up with ideas on how they can get more trials, more demos through SEO, DemandGen and PPC. But before we dive in, here's a little bit of information about Classlink. Before we dive into the episode, I want to give you some context around Classlink. Classlink is a single sign-on solution for K-12 and higher ed institutions. They were founded in 1998 in New Jersey. Like the majority of companies we're going to talk about on insider marketing, we don't have conversion or revenue data, so we have to make some inferences. Our bet this time is that they're doing around $30 million ARR with a marketing team of about five and about 170 people overall. We're going to share strategy ideas today for demand gen, SEO and PPC with Powered by Search CEO, Dev Basu. Let's dive in. So that's a little bit of information about Classlink. Now, Dev, you're the boss here, why don't you talk about some of your ideas first?
1: I want to look at the macro context of just selling Ed technology or SaaS. It looks like Classlink has built a really good quality business It has some scale essentially to it as well one of the things that I think about whenever looking at the website overall is, is the problem really clear? And so, you know, broadly, they have a single sign-on solution for K through 12 and also for higher ed, you know, that brings together multiple different systems that you can log into. And instead of having lots of different passwords and usernames for each system, you just have one single sign-on. And so, Analogous to this would be a company like Okta, for example, who focus on privacy, security and a single sign-on for the enterprise and in a bunch of different enterprise contexts. Um, so they pair that that single sign-on solution, which they call Launchpad, along with an analytics suite that helps folks within the K-12 and higher ed tech systems. These are primarily like the administrators, the IT folks, and the the educators themselves learn how students who are the end user in this case, and the other end user is is usually an educator or a teacher. How are they using this technology to be able to essentially create a way which is seamless for both the educator and also for the student as well? Now, that problem, I think, is not elegantly explained in most ed tech websites, as I think through that. And when we think about ClassLink, they adopt this process where You know, they're talking about a solution like Launchpad or Analytics or File Access, OneSync, Roster Server. These are some of the names that they've essentially given to their products. But it takes a little bit of time to be able to understand the use cases if you've just discovered their brand for the first time. Um, And they kind of lead with their homepage slogan of Classlink 101, an introduction to access, analytics, and identity management for education leaders. And then the call to action is learn more. One of the things I tweeted out recently, Mark, was that a website's got to answer four questions uh, in the first five to ten seconds of someone landing on their site. I don't know how many tabs you have open on your screen right now. I think I have like fifteen or twenty tabs, and so every new tab is taking away attention. You know, attention is scarce, and so the four questions are: Why am I here? What is this website about? How does this website or how does this service or platform work? And then, what am I supposed to be doing next? And then. You know, if you don't answer those four questions in a very apparent way, uh, for someone who's a new to your brand visitor, it makes it much, much more difficult for them to engage and dive deeper into the site. And so, as I look through it, for those people who don't know who ClassLink is, and maybe you know we're living under a rock over here because they're so darn well known for their audience that they actually do look for you know they're just like on the education space, for example, if you've heard of a platform called Blackboard, it becomes a branded search. Launchpad is similar in many ways, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't work even better together by fine-tuning some of the positioning and the messaging to be able to take people who don't know who they are, get them into their world, and then finally get them to raise their hand and want to learn more.
0: Wow, you just mentioning Blackboard there has sent me back about fifteen years to a <laughs> a more confusing time <laughs> uh, being in university using Blackboard. Uh, pretty wild, uh, actually. You know what, Dev? Um, you you mentioned something there that, that I think is really interesting. So we work with a lot of companies who sell products to non technical audiences. So although we do obviously work with all sorts of different people, many of our clients are selling technology solutions to people who aren't necessarily interested in technology solutions they're interested in doing their job more efficiently or you know more productively right so this is one of those cases you know we do, we work with a lot of developer focused products also but this is one of those cases where the product is mostly targeted at like ctos technology service managers inside k12 schools right So it makes sense not to sugarcoat the kind of tech talk, the language used, in the way that we would normally recommend that someone does. Now that said, the homepage does fall into the kind of pretty standard trap, which is that it talks about the benefits of the solution without linking those benefits to any kind of tangible pain that someone might be feeling. So on the one hand, you've got, hey, it's okay to use this technical language, but then they've also branded that technical language, which actually abstracts the kind of the readability of the copy entirely. It makes it actually quite hard to know what ClassLink does unless as you said, maybe we have been living under a rock and they're like the market leader for this specific thing. And then further, it actually, it takes away all of the pain that someone might feel and basically says, I oh, don't worry about that. We'll talk about the benefits of our product, right? Now, I think that's a pretty um, that's that's an open goal for most SaaS companies is to say here's my here's your pain here's my solution here's how my solution is going to benefit you and take away your pain. So I spend a lot of my time with our clients thinking about okay how do we take the positioning work that we've done with them how do we take that and turn it into stuff like copy or how do we take that and we, you know, we make it clear for anyone picking up this kind of a landing page or picking up a a set of ads that these are the messages that align to customer pain points. And to do that, I use a framework of pain, implication, solution and benefit. So what I would recommend that Classlink do is take a step back and create a set of value propositions that link to their positioning. Their positioning is pretty clear. They are trying to solve the problem specifically for IT kind of solutions managers or CTOs, depending on what kind of school, for K-12 schools, right? The way that they're doing that is not necessarily clear. So they need to kind of clarify that some. But then they need to make it clear exactly how their features align to that positioning. So what I would do is I would come up with for each one of their kind of their main pains that they're solving. I would go, okay, what's the pain? What is the implication of that pain? How do we solve that pain? And then what does it look like for our customers after we've solved that pain for them? And how do we summarize that neatly into a value proposition? It's like a one sentence uh, statement. Then I would go to their landing page. This homepage is a big opportunity. And I would say, okay, does each piece of copy on this money page this big money page correspond to one of those four to five value props in a way that communicates positioning clearly because that gives us the opportunity to speak directly to our customers with a clear message that aligns to their pain and says how we're going to solve it i think like that's probably one of the biggest opportunities here how do you feel about that
1: I think that you're right on the money with that. And while you were chatting, I was just looking at sort of this idea of how well known are they? And well, I can tell you that Launchpad is searched about 368,000 times per month um, in the United States. And if we think about that and even some of their brand name, Classlink, that's searched about 550,000 times. So it's very clear that this is kind of on the same level as when, Mark, you and I were back in our university days, thinking about that login experience with Blackboard, right? You didn't look for university learning management system. You just looked at like Blackboard, right? And going through that. But I think that that shouldn't detract from the fact that just because you're well known to most people in your audience most of the time, that you should have messaging that just assumes that you are well known. That's, I think, where the benefit of when we think about SEO or paid media, for example, for people who raise their hand and want to have a chat with you, um, the positioning work and the messaging that you're talking about, Mark, makes complete sense. And additionally, I think that there are use cases built around the site that could benefit them. It's a small amount of work for a very large impact as well. On their About Us page, they talk about how their, their mission is to remove barriers between students and impactful education content. Educators, students, administrators, IT staff, and even parents use solution to ensure learning opportunities are never lost and that schools thrive. Now, what we'd look at that is go, look, often when we're looking at a new SaaS business that's interested in potentially working with us, we often see like, okay, so you're, you've kind of got a line or two about who you serve, who those stakeholders basically are. Where are the pages on your website that someone can go, I am a parent, what do I need to know about ClassRank? Or I'm an IT admin. What are the problems that you know that I have that then you then solve? And what specific products do you have that solve those pain points or problems? And so that's the stuff that I think is hidden a little bit. Um, Actually, I was browsing around the new site. And the one page that I saw that kind of gets close to this is uh, if you go down into their K-12 nav, they've got a product called Roster Server. They actually start with a headline saying problem solved for too long. Educators have been frustrated by class roster uploads into all the digital learning resources that need them. So literally, like I'm taking an Excel file of all the students that are in a class. If I'm an educator and I'm going to have to manually upload them to multiple different fragmented systems. And then I might have to upload different files as well, like whether that's dragging and dropping it from my desktop or from my uh, locally from my machine Or if I have to hook that up with Dropbox or Google Drive, which by the way, two services that ClassLink integrate with, this is the first page on the website that I've seen that includes a before ClassLink and after ClassLink for an individual user type. Like I am in curriculum or instruction, or I'm a technology director, I'm a teacher, and I'm a student. Now, if they took that one very key section of their site and applied that similar experience site-wide, um oh man, like I think that even if it's not necessarily just about new business acquisition, if they ran a, a customer satisfaction survey or an NPS tool, they just find that their website becomes so much more useful to the people that they seek to serve.
0: Yeah, I actually really like this section and I hadn't seen it before you pointed it out there. It's great, right? Because this is effectively the message for each one of these pages, you know, curriculum and instruction, uh technology director, teacher for students. And, you know, even your your URL is then, you know, forward slash use cases, forward slash, or forward slash roles, even forward slash. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And in fact, you know what, this feels like a good opportunity to talk about the kind of conversion path and the reason i say that is because the information flow on across the whole website isn't necessarily very clear right now there is a lot of information on the classlink website and i think any company that manages to get a lot of information out is already doing a lot of good stuff what people often fail to do is to connect the dots in a way that's coherent for a person who is coming to the website and then saying, Okay, does this solve my problem? As you mentioned, Dev, you know, all the way back at the start, I want to use this and then I am using this. How do I get more out of it? Right? Just a pretty good case of doing that. So the conversion path is actually pretty weird, I would say, on the ClassLink website. And the reason for that that statement pretty weird is because on the homepage I'm greeted with class link 101 right now that says and as we said an introduction to access analytics and identity management for education leaders there's two visually kind of non-complementary calls to action here the first one is says learn more and then the second one is a downwards arrow that hops up and points me down the page Now, in my mind, at first, when I looked at this website, I just started scrolling down because I thought, oh, that learn more button is going to take me to somewhere else on the homepage, right? In reality, what that did was it took me to a demo kind of page, not even really a demo, kind of more like a webinar, or like a live webinar that I could register for. Now, it was really unclear there, and I bet if they made that more clear, firstly, it would get the more people attending these things. But ultimately, the downstream effect of that is it gets people to say, they come to the site and say, OK, I can take a demo. I know what I'm doing because there is actually no other coherent next step on this entire page. The only other thing I could possibly do is click read more on the case studies or click contact us in the nav bar. But that generic contact us, people often feel turned off by that because they think they're going to have to fill out a contact form, which is, you know, when you fill out a contact form on the internet, often it goes to a generic inbox and you never hear back from them. I think there's some really good opportunities there to sort of think, hey, what's the user journey or what's the visitor journey? How can I convert more prospects into MQLs or SQLs and ultimately opportunities and customers?
1: Yeah, right on. I think that your comments about sort of the customer journey are spot on. Like there's a bit of friction on the website that I think that if they were to streamline, they just get, again, two stakeholders getting the success that they really want. Like if you are already a ClassLink customer, um, you know, like having them go to help docs. Like as an example, you're, you're talking about technical users. One thing that we would think about is, if you are a student or if you are a teacher or an educator, for example, and you have role pages for those, well, it would probably make sense to also include a little calibrated call to action saying already a class link customer or user. Here are our latest help docs, right? And it's just a link to your help doc section that helps you figure out how to integrate the 6,000 different apps that they basically integrate with. But you would probably not want to do that for what we call a check signer. So if you're like the head of a district board and you're not going to be the person actually going in and using the platform or integrating it, you probably don't need a link to help docs because it would be of no value essentially to you. But adding in features or pulling in pieces of the website, like they've got a great analytics platform, which talks about a couple of key outcomes that educators and districts actually care about. One of the things that we saw that was really neat was... Not only the number of active sessions, so these are students who are logging in to consume curriculum, but the average time per module consumption, meaning like if I'm a student and I'm learning something about my maths class, how long am I actually watching that video or interacting with that module of educational content? And that is a telltale sign, obviously, of, of student engagement, which is something that you know folks really care about. I think every stakeholder that they they are in service to cares about that. Similarly, I think on the IT side, really amping up the privacy components and how they reduce human error and risk and have good security trails and audit logs, bringing all that all together so you effectively showcase information that matters, that uh, boosting conversion. The other things to think about related to that is that you can actually start using customer-centric messaging in your calibrated call-to-actions. So instead of, you know, book a demo or learn more or contact us, which are generic call-to-actions, a calibrated call-to-action would simply be something like see it in action, right? And, and it's referring to the component of the platform that you're looking at, right? Or if it's an analytic suite, and let's say that in your demo, you actually are able to... One of the, the factors that I noticed that is important to them under their case studies is... Uh, the enrollment size. so, and they've got a brilliant case studies library. You know you can go in and see how the school district of Janesville has ten thousand you know students enrolled. And then there's like Fulton County Schools where in Georgia, they've got ninety four thousand enrolled. Well, I would imagine that the the needs of a school district that's got almost one hundred thousand students is different than the needs of someone who's got 5,000 students. And so there might be a benefit over there to talk about sort of the scalability or extensibility of the solution that an IT admin would absolutely care about, but maybe a teacher wouldn't care about because the teacher's really concerned with their group of students that they're in charge of essentially of educating, right? And so these are some of the, I would say higher level macro things before we even go into a discussion about channels like SEO or paid or any of that type of stuff. We always start with like, Assuming that we are able to bring the best quality, ideal customer profile to your website, what would they do next? Because most conversions are actually not lost because of poor quality traffic. It's often because websites are confusing and people just don't know what to do next when they've got 15 tabs open on their browser.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, uh, for example, as well, it's not even 100% clear what the business model is here. There's no sort of pricing page, which you would sort of expect because this is an enterprise style product. um, And it's going to be sales driven, if I'm not wrong, Um, which, you know, obviously that means that you have to be more clear about the call to action. You have to be clear about what people should do in order to get to the next step in the process. You mentioned about the case studies page. I think it's such, um, such a strong library of content. There's so much stuff there. And those are not just kind of light case studies. These case studies are fairly related to pain points. In fact, I would argue that this is the best content on the website. The reason for that is a case study is like probably mid to low funnel. If you're looking at case studies, you're, look at, you're interested in what other people like you are doing to solve problems. And you might not quite be ready, but you might be getting to the point where you're ready to buy, right? Or ready to consider a solution. So case studies are a really important way to help people go down the buyer journey. Now, there's some things that they could do here to actually further that kind of idea. One thing that they could do is to start linking between pieces of text uh, that are related to features on their case studies pages and the product pages themselves. Now, if I say, for example, there's one that I'm looking at here, Quick Cards, uh, making a single sign-on even easier for younger students from Leon County Schools, Florida. Now, their solution section here features exactly what ClassLink did for these guys in this school. Now, but the solution text itself doesn't actually link to anywhere that someone can find out more about that. How? What does it look like? How do I use that? it just asks schedule a demo now again this is an opportunity to keep people on site longer improve rankings because it's internal linking but also to help people to say okay that is for me now i definitely want to book a demo i've seen it in action the demo close rate will also improve once users are more informed about the product features and the benefits and how those solve pain points
1: Yeah, I think that's solid in terms of the case studies and kudos to the ClassLink team for just building out a great resources library. And we had a quick look at the case studies, a blog, the webinar section. You know, I think those are the prime, we call it educate and motivate. So educational assets that help someone not only know what you're doing, but how you help them. And what's really interesting about the case studies pages that uh, one of the ones that I saw was a school that got their website and their internet hacked. And it was held by um, because of ransomware. And so that just immediately, even just browsing through the, the site, that seems like a use case that an administrator would really care about, which is the security and prevention of being hacked or for and then being held, obviously, at ransom, right, where all your stakeholders, the parents, the teachers, the students are now unable to log in. So you kind of grind your entire operation to a halt if that ended up happening you know, that might just be a good use case page to say, even if you want to take an extract of all the case studies that do mention ransomware, put them that into a use case page, right? Of, you know, problems we solve, we, we help you prevent getting hacked. And quite literally, you know, are you worried about ransomware? And then you have a little bit of um, some context on the number of schools. Like we really are fans of stat based proof. So statistics based proof, I'm sure there's reports out there of the number of schools that were, or school district websites that were that fell prey to ransomware in the last one to five years, or just news stories about that. It's a really great way of people to understand the scope of the problem and the fact that you help them solve it as well. And that's another good way of being able to get really specific into, you know, not just what your product does, but also the problems it solves right now, like observable problems, and the future problems it helps avoid, which is the insurance essentially that you're buying against those negative outcomes.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, look, we're almost at time here and we didn't even cover anything to do with SEO or paid media. We have a bunch of ideas. If anyone at the Classlink team is listening to this, reach out and we'll happily share those with you. Dev, before we go, though, do you have a killer idea that you want to share or anything that you want to add in?
1: I would say that like, we obviously saw that you know Classlink isn't really doing very much in terms of paid media and getting their content in front of people. Um, given that they've spent a ton of time building out the case studies and the resources and whatnot, you know, we see really great instances of putting that right content in front of the right person and then getting them raise their hand. You know, some people call that a marketing qualified lead. And we have very specific thoughts about why they work and they don't work. And in, in the work that we do, they tend to work because they tend to focus on the problems and the pain points as opposed to the product and the the features and the benefits. If anything, if ClassLink were to do some paid media, it would probably make sense to drive some traffic directly to those resources to be able to get people to raise their hands and then back that up with a solid nurture campaign. Just because in ed tech, the buying cycle tends to be longer and there are more people involved in that as well in terms of the buying committee. But that's, that's where we would focus our our sort of thinking around paid media. On the SEO side, I mean, they already get tons of, they get millions of uh, visitors every month in traffic. They've got a crazy amount of backlinks, primarily because what they've done is they've got 21 or 22 million backlinks right now based off hrefs. And where they're getting that from is because they actually host all of their school districts on a subdomain and a subfolder. So it's like launchpad.com classlink.com slash the name of the district that they're working with, and they all get backlinks from each one of these uh, places that then get traffic. They all have a fairly similar look and feel. And so there's tons of opportunity for that login page to be able to support you in your rankings for non-branded keywords that people may look for, that your audience may look for. And so that might be a topic number two for us to discuss at some point, but if they are listening um, and they want to reach out, we're very happy to share are sort of thinking around something like that.
0: All right, Dev, thank you so much for your time today. We'll catch you next time.
1: Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Well, that's it
0: for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups with demand gen SEO or PPC. Now, if you want us to help you with that, You can book a SaaS scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar. Or you can follow me on Twitter at IamMarkThomas, that's Mark with a C. Or follow our founder, Dev Basu, that's D-E-V-B-A-S-U. I'll see you next time for another episode of Insider Marketing.